because God does remind us, as the Apostle Paul writes, to, to give from one faithful man to another faithful man so they can deliver. And uh, let me just say this, because sometimes we have a hard time dealing with this. Uh, if, if this line, if you will, as we get into this, well, I don't have anybody to pass it on to, you do have somebody to pass it on to. Uh, there might be somebody who's rejected it, but you have somebody to pass it on to. Uh, I don't think the Apostle Paul was a failure because he never had a family, but he passed on. He found there was a young man who did not have a spiritual father, and he filled that role. So I want to add that, but I want to focus primarily on those who it would apply to tonight in this format. And we have a father giving instruction to his son that what instruction was it? It was, it was instruction that he received from his father. This is the way that, that it was intended. We find here in our text, and we're going to look at this from this perspective tonight, we find three generations. Now, these three generations represent an entire legacy, if you will. It doesn't have to stop at three generations, but that three generations illustrates you have Solomon speaking to his son and referencing Solomon's father, who, of course, was David, who passed on to him. Now, we know that uh, there is a, there's, a, there's a lineage that could go before that, and we, and, we, and we have a desire for a lineage to go beyond. But what we have control of is that which, if I can illustrate this way, is that which we can grasp with our hands. We can reach one generation behind us, and we can reach one generation ahead of us. At some point in our spiritual life and our physical life, we, we cannot reach behind us. We can only reach uh, we, can only, we can't reach ahead of us, we can only reach behind us, to that generation which is passing to us. Then the time comes when we have that generation who's gone before us, and we have a generation who's behind us. This is illustrated with Solomon. Solomon has received instruction from David, and now we find in the book of Proverbs, he is passing that on to his son. And so we have those generations. And let me just say, as I move through the introduction tonight, we as Christians need to think more in the terms of generations. It is good that God saved you, isn't it? It's good that you get to serve God. It's good that our church gets to enjoy the things that our church does, but we should not be self-serving and selfish and only think of our generation. Why do we continue to have a Christian school? Because, well, my kids aren't in it. There's still another generation that needs a Christian education. Oh, I'm, Pastor, I'm not going to be here to see all those buildings built. Well, hopefully there's a generation who will benefit from that. In your own family, we have to think of decisions I make today, they're going to affect uh, the next generation and it gener can affect the generation after that. Uh, young, young teenagers and young adults, you hear, you've heard this teaching, and you've got to think about more than yourself, and you've got to think about how that one decision can affect the, the rest of your life. There's a generation that we've got to follow the Word of God. Why do we obey? Why? Because there's somebody coming after us. Well, I don't even know who they are. Well, if you live long enough, God, you, you, then you might, you might know who they are. And see, we live in this, well, if I see a benefit right now, but there's a principle here, we need to think in terms of generations. Uh, those who have gone on before, so let me use our nation, there are uh, generations who, they didn't live to a ripe old age because they laid down their life. They were willing to sacrifice everything so that there could be 
the benefit that we have today. Spiritually speaking, there are martyrs of the faith who gave their life. They never enjoyed the blessings that you and I get to enjoy as God's children to, in a way that we're enjoying it because they laid down their life. There are men, and that's why I, I hold great respect from, from the previous generation because there are battles that they fought to hold to the truth and pass it down. Now, as we as a generation, it's our responsibility as a church. Say, Pastor, why, do you hold the, why are we supposed to hold the line so? Because there's another generation that's coming. And whatever we do in moderation, that next generation always does, does in excess. And so we must think in terms of generation. So, uh, you, I mean, I can illustrate myself with this because of my age. Uh, as growing up in this church, I'm thankful for those that were in the generation ahead of me. I also have a responsibility to the generation behind me. And it's true in, my, in, our, in our own family. I have parents who have a legacy of spiritual heritage that I've tried to pass on to my children, and then it'll be my children's responsibility to pass it on to their children. And so there's three generations. We need to think in the terms of generations. If we think in terms of generations, it will make our decision-making a little bit clearer many times. Sometimes we get caught, and sometimes this, I, this is just, we overcomplicate things. Sometimes as a pastor, I'm trying to make decisions. I, I just can't get clarity. What does God want? This is what I come back to. How's it going to affect, not me, not right now, but how's it going to affect 10 years from now, 20 years from now? You have to think that way. Uh, that, that job is trying to move you away from a good church. You think, well, that rage is going to be good. Well, what about, what are your children going to be like not growing up in a good Sunday school? Not growing up in a good church? Not growing up with that Christian education? Not growing up with me as their pastor? I mean, how is that going to affect them? Uh, you have to think of that. I've already said this, but I'll, I'll say this again as part of the introduction. Not everyone has the same spiritual heritage. There are some who are first-generation Christians in here, meaning... None of your, your parents were saved, your grandparents were saved, you were the, the gospel got to you first. Uh, and if you're a first generation Christian, that's, that's your testimony. Uh, you shouldn't be ashamed of, you ought to rejoice in the fact that God got the gospel to you. Uh, there are some who, you're, you're second generation, meaning mom and dad brought you to Sunday school, mom and dad got, got saved first, some are third generation, fourth generation. Thank God for that. That's the way it should be. Having said that, I want to say tonight, when it comes to dealing with our father's generation, either continue it or start it. Continue it or start it. If you can say, as Solomon is saying, my father taught me, you have a responsibility to continue it. This is why I have very little patience for those who had somebody faithfully give it to them, and they mock it, they scorn it, I have very little patience for that. Uh, why? Because you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to take and to pass down. How are we going to pass down something uh, that we're not careful with? So continue it. Every one of these young people, you, you, mom and dad brought you to a Bible-believing church. Uh, you're being taught right. You have a responsibility to finish your race being what, you, what you're being taught to be. And then you, are, you have a responsibility to pass it down to somebody else. 
So continue it. If you're that, you didn't have anybody to teach you, then you start it. You start it. You make up your mind, it's going to start with you, and you're going to teach your son with the hopes that they will teach their son, and then it can go from one generation to another generation to another generation. Obviously, as I teach that, you know, say, well, I don't have any sons, so I'm off the hook. You get the point that I'm making. There's generation to generation. And by the way, Mom, Dad, this is true of you too, but especially Mom, this world, if you don't teach your daughter what a Christian young lady is supposed to be, this world will teach her what she's not supposed to be. This world has, a, has an unscriptural and unhealthy view of what marriage is, of what the woman's uh, role in the home is, what a woman's supposed to be. We have a responsibility. Well, somebody will teach them that somebody starts with you. Now, the church helps, the, the youth group helps, the Sunday school class helps, the Christian school helps, but obviously the responsibility is on us who God has entrusted uh, that next generation to. And so continue, I want you to think of that tonight, continue it or start it. Uh, let me, as our church, there was a group of people, some of, you are, some of them are here tonight, who started this thing, and through the decades, you have been faithful to it, and now you've passed it on. I see several tonight that we would be in that category of our parents passed it on to us. And in some cases, that person has now passed it on to their children. And there's some in here that are older than me. I see Miss Valerie there. She's much older than me. She's already got a grandchild. And so there's all those generations. So... We have, what is it? We have a responsibility. So whether you're the beginning of it or you're at the, that last generation, wherever you are, continue it or keep it. Uh, continue it or start it. Uh, then let me say, you are the legacy for others, either starting or keeping. David started quite a legacy, didn't he? He took advantage of the opportunities God had for him. And then he passed that on. Solomon had a responsibility to keep it. Uh, we all, when it comes to, and I'll, and I'll define that word legacy in just a moment, we are that legacy for others, either starting or keeping. Now, we're talking about dealing with the legacy of our fathers. Let me give you a definition of legacy. Something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. We, we, if we use, this is a, this is a more modern word, wasn't necessarily had a different definition in the Bible times. You had a financial um, a value attached to it, but the principle is the same. You know, our another word is heritage, and I could have used that word tonight. But there is a there's something we've received from the men God used to write the Bible. I think of my my grandparents who are in heaven. I have a spiritual legacy that I've received from them. To, to every 
mom and dad or wherever you are, whether your children are grown or whether they're at home, say, well, I want to make sure I have something to leave behind for them. And you should want to be responsible and, and, and at least make sure you're taken care of You know, when you leave this world, all those kind of things. But more than anything else, you leave them a spiritual legacy, a spiritual heritage. That is something that we receive from the past, a predecessor, Another word we're going to look at tonight, I want to remind you, we've already looked at is the word wisdom. Wisdom is true. It's, it's godliness. It's piety. It's the knowledge and fear of God in sincere and uniform obedience to His commands. We're going to see how these two are tied together. If we want to have a heritage to pass down, if we want to pass uh, truth and knowledge from one generation to the next, it takes wisdom to do that. So if we're going to deal with the legacy of our fathers, are you following me tonight? We're dealing with the wisdom that our fathers had to pass down to us. Some of you can identify with this. The older I get, the dumber the, gener- the, the, dumber everybody, the dumber everybody else is. Now, those of you that are younger than me are like, did he just call me dumb? No. I hinted at it. No. It's like, I mean, what is wrong with these people? What is wrong with... You think of some of the values that are, just go back one or two generations, they've been lost. In some cases, we've, we've placed, replaced character with technology. Because technology can do a job, but technology cannot instill the character that was instilled by the job that was done. So if you are generation, what generation is this now? The millennial generation Generation whatever, they, did y'all, you older people look at them like, what are you talking about? You know, they, lay, they name generations now. Okay, uh, so whatever you are, the point I'm making is you're going to have to be conscious. There was character that we pick, lost people picked up because of the work, the structure. Those things have gone away. And so, but there's wisdom that we are missing. Let me give you the outline. I think this will tie it all together. Are you ready tonight? Look at me in verse number 2. For I give you good doctrine, forsake you not my law. Statement number 1, doctrine determines the legacy. It's important for us to understand, oh, if I received this from my grandfather, and they came to my parents, and down to me, or my grandmother, my grandparents, and down all the way down to me, there are some crazy things that can get passed down from generation to generation too. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about opinion. I'm certainly not making the argument if your grandmother was a Catholic, grandkids should still be Catholic and reject the gospel. I'm not making that argument at all. Because it is, it is stated right here, for I give you good doctrine. That is where the legacy begins. Doctrine determines the legacy. And so if we have good doctrine passed to us, that's a legacy we need to hang on to. That's a legacy we need to be thankful for. That's a legacy we ought to be careful with, and we ought to be, be careful to pass it down. And Solomon, it, it, he's making the case, I'm my father's son. I listened to him. He taught me. You listen to me. And he says, it all begins with doctrine. For I give you good doctrine. He's saying, son, listen, because what I give you is truth. It's good doctrine. It's right. It's from the Lord. And anything that comes out of this Bible, whether it is a physical parent, a physical father, or it's a spiritual one, we ought to look at the doctrine of that and say, this is worth having. 
you'll have to forgive me. I'm not giving this up to be more accepted in this world. The reason is, is because I have a physical father who passed down good doctrine. I have spiritual fathers who fought battles so that this, we would have this book. I'm not giving it up. I, it's it's, it's in, in, in my kids know me well enough to know they'll make their own decisions, and I pray they always make the right ones. There are some things that it is worth me making Thanksgiving uncomfortable. Because I'm not changing. Because it's doctrine. I'm a Baptist. I'm not, I'm not going to take Baptist off of my sign and we're not going to be secret about it because we, we want to attract more people. No, I want people to know that we are a Baptist. This is what we believe. When people come in our church and they hear Baptist doctrine preached, I don't want them to be shocked. And some have been. Do you really believe this? You did see the sign that said Emmanuel Baptist Church. Why? Why? That's good doctrine. Good doctrine. Matter of fact, the way we live, and there's a lot of principles. There's, there's, there's holiness. There's standards. There's conviction. If it comes from this book, it's doctrine. I'm not giving up my doctrine. It's good doctrine. It's true. You know, this doctrine is good enough for our salvation, but it's not good enough to live by. It's good enough for my kids to be, get saved and, and, and learn some things for God's blessings, and it's not good enough to pass it on. Well, when every teenager and young adult didn't hear to hear me, it was good enough for your mom and dad. It's good enough for you to get saved. In many cases, it's good enough for you to find a spouse. It's good enough for you to make sure your children have it. And then you instill in them how good it is. Don't go home and talk about how bad it is to serve God and how rough it is. Hey, Pastor, I wish it was like you. I didn't have any burdens. I didn't have any trials. Oh, I know. It, life's perfect. One thing my kids will tell you, I mean, the battles are real. But they, I, could, I, I don't think they could ever tell you that dad came in and said, well, girls, it's just not worth it. No, it's good. The, word, the Bible's hard to live. It's, hard, it's, hard to ignore, it's harder to ignore the Bible and receive the consequences of that than to live by the Bible. It's good doctrine. Say, well, Pastor, if your kids, if your grandkids aren't Baptists one day, what would you be? I'll be disappointed. So you won't, oh, I'll love them. I'll love them unconditionally, but I'll be disappointed. You know why? Because they've been taught, that mom and dad's been taught better. And by, and by the way, my, I've had extra time this week, so you can tell. You know, my girls know not to ever come to me, and, and one's married now, the other two, we'll see what happens with them, but they know not to come to me and say, I've met a nice Presbyterian boy. You know, the surest way for your, for my, I'll say for my case, and you can apply how, for my girls to not marry somebody who's not a Baptist is they never date them. Say, what if they get to know when they get interested in them? Well, I'll squash that real quick. Why? Because it's worth the the doctrine. Doctrine. I'm not telling you not to love. We love our, we love, we love our, we love people unconditionally. That doesn't mean that we should not hold to the good doctrine. Statement number two. Good doctrine is reason enough not to forsake your legacy. I've, all, I've kind of covered that already. But good doctrine is reason enough not to forsake your legacy. 
there are a lot, there's a lot in my generation. I went to Bible college with a lot of people I know that somebody waved a dollar bill in front of them and they forsook their legacy. Somebody waved a, or, or painted a quote-unquote easier path. But let me tell you what they did not consider. They did not consider how their kids would turn out. They did not consider how their grandkids. It's hard to consider them because they're not even born yet. That's why you better make those decisions now because that'll be upon you a lot quicker than you think. Good doctrine is reason enough not to forsake your legacy. I do not stand where I stand on the Bible and my beliefs in the Bible because it's popular, because it's not. I don't stand here because it is easy, because it's not. I don't stand here because you never lose a friend or fellowship because of it, because that's not true. You could be, you'll be misrepresented, you'll be misunderstood, but I stand here because good doctrine is reason enough. I'm not forsaking the legacy that has been handed to me. I'm not forsaking it. And we have this idea today that, well, that previous generation, they, they, this is in our country, and we're losing our American heritage. In our, in our Bible-believing churches, we're losing our Bible heritage. It's like, well, that generation, they weren't perfect. Well, nobody's ever. It's the doctrine I hold to. It's the it's the founding documents of our nation. It's the it's the it's the the spirit of liberty. If we want to look at it from that perspective, that's what we hold to. It's worth hanging on to. I hope tonight that I instilled in some of these young people. You hang on to it because good doctrine is worth not forsaking your legacy. Don't forsake your legacy. Uh, number three. Oh, this is good. Look at number, verse number three. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Okay? Who is Solomon speaking to? His son. He makes reference in verse number three, I was my father's son. Son, I'm talking to you, you're, you but I was where you were one day. I was exactly where you were, and my father was saying to me, the same things I'm saying to you. We've already pointed out the three generations. There's Solomon's generation, his son's generation, Solomon's father's generation. There's three generations there. Statement number three is this. There's credibility in generations. There's credibility. Uh, it's, it's, in some respects, it's been easier for me with my own children because they've been able to see past my generation to the generation ahead of them. That's why, grandparents, let me talk to you for a second. Whether your kids are doing everything they're supposed to do or not, whether they, whatever category they fall in, don't you change. Because there's credibility in generations. There's credibility in it. And sometimes it's, it's, it's grandma and granddad that instills in grandson or granddaughter that change is okay. There's the, there's the jokes that we've all heard. It's like, you know, it's like the, the, the parent of the grandchild sees the way their mom and dad treats that grandchild. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, you, you didn't treat, you were a little harder on me. You didn't give me everything I wanted. You know, the simple answer is you weren't my grandchild. But when it comes to spiritual matters, don't dare let it be that way. 
Now, you, you know, and some of you could testify certainly better than I can, but you only have so much control. But the greatest thing you have is your testimony, is your position, and there's, there's, there's credibility in generations. You, you know, no matter what this church goes through, you know why? This church continues to press forward. One, God blesses it, but there's generations of history. There's generations. You can walk in this, this auditorium and you find multiple generations of the same family. That says something. That speaks to something. In your own family, don't discount this if your kids are small and you're with extended family and they're not all saved or they don't, they're not all living the way they should. Don't change who you are to try and fit in with them, you have the credibility because there's generations of credibility. Apply this to our own nation today. All this nonsense you hear now, all of a sudden there's new, there's new genders. All of a sudden, you know, capitalism, all of a sudden America is... No, there's, there's generations. That might matter. By the way, don't, don't give in to that. Don't, don't, don't put up with that. Yep. Why? Because we have generations of credibility. It's even more true when it comes to our heritage as Bible believers. Say, well, how many generations? I've never counted them all the way back to Jesus Christ. But that's, a, that's pretty good credibility. In our own family, in our own family, remember I said either continue it or start it? The goal is generations. Say, well, I have a child. They're not doing right. And certainly that's heartbreaking. But if you can be in a position to influence grandchild, do it. There's generations. As Paul did, Paul didn't have children of his own. But he found the young man in Timothy who didn't have a spiritual father. Many believe that his father was not either dead or certainly was not saved. So there's that void that was filled. All of us have those responsibilities. Number four, I'll read verse three and verse four again, and I'll hasten. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Uh, statement number four, truth has been tested with time. Here again, we have this, the illustration of the generations. He taught me also. Sometimes I've, 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 had to, I've had to spell this out with my own children and certainly with my, my physical children, what I feel like are my spiritual children sometimes. Don't take this personally. He taught me also. When I was your age, I had to be taught the same thing. I had to be told the same thing. But truth has been tested with time. There's that old statement, if it's new, it ain't true, and if it's true, it ain't new. There's just new truth. Is that, no, that's impossible. There's no new truth out there. Because truth has been tested with time. And by the way, that's why you got to be careful as a Christian jumping on every new, new thing that comes out. My mom and dad just don't want me to have any fun. Well, that's part of it. 
But there's some wisdom in saying, let's give this some time. Because truth lasts. You can, you can try and kill it. You can try and bury it. You can ignore it. You can disregard it, but their truth will be. Because truth has been tested with time. That's why if either this direction or this direction, there's, there's a break in those generations, you just do right because that stands the test of time. Truth stands the test of time. Uh, number five, look at me, and we'll read verse five and verse number seven. Verse number five, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Verse seven, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Notice what the, you probably see it, verse number five, get wisdom, get understanding. Verse number seven, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Solomon's making a point to his son. Get wisdom. Number five, wisdom is the goal to be passed down and received. Every parent ought to strive to get wisdom for themselves. And we know what wisdom is. It's God's truth. It's it's that, that direction from on high. It's what we find in the Word of God. Why? Because God's the standard of wisdom. Wikipedia is not the standard of wisdom. Google is not the standard of wisdom. The, the so-called theologian is not the standard of wisdom. Uh, the, the professor is not the standard of wisdom. The Pope is not the standard of wisdom. The Baptist preacher is not the standard of wisdom. And your grandmother is not the standard of wisdom. God's the standard of wisdom. So wisdom can only come from he who is wisdom. And so Solomon is saying, get wisdom because it's the only thing that's really worth being received and passed down. I think it would be great for, for Christian parents. I think there's some Christian parents that probably ought to change their goals of what they acquire and pass down to their children. Wisdom. Now, if we apply God's principles that every generation it ought to get, it could get easier and get better, if you will, for every generation. But make sure in that you get wisdom. You keep that and you pass it now because that should be the goal. Look at what, what verse 5 says. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Did Solomon have wealth? Sure he did. If you put it in today's dollars, it blows your mind. We said get wisdom. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he's going to describe what happens when you, when you try and get wealth. But get wisdom. Pass that down. Those of you who your children are grown, you having grandkids, all those kind of things, you know, you get to a place where you're like, man, I don't... I probably didn't do as good a job as I, as I could have. I think every parent would feel that way. And by the way, the reason why that's true is because you're human. But the thing you got to look at and have some satisfaction with is, I had my kids in Sunday school. They heard wisdom. The Bible was in my home. Wisdom. I, I made sure they were under the preaching of the Word of God. Wisdom. We elevated God. We elevated wisdom. And even if, even if 
that generation behind us, there's a generation that says, well, I'm not going to continue this. It's hard to get that out of them. They may rebel against it. They may disobey it, but it's still in there. It's still there. Wisdom is the goal. Mom and dad, make wisdom. Make this book what you pass down. One of the most precious things that my mother left behind was her Bible. And all the lessons that she taught me. But what is it? It's wisdom. You say, when the Lord took her home, does she leave you a lot of wealth? It depends on what you describe as wealth. Because you cannot buy the legacy I have. You can't buy the heritage I have. And it didn't start with me. But it was received so that it could be passed down. It's precious. Wisdom is the goal. At number six, I just have seven tonight. Look at verse number six. Forsake her not. Once you get it, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Number six, we've talked about generations, haven't we? The importance of generations. We see three generations here. Number six helps us know how they got there. Wisdom is what preserves generations. Wisdom is what preserves generations. I don't want to say which family it was, but one of the wealthy, wealthy families centuries ago. There, somebody will correct me, I know, but I want to say it's the Vanderbilt family. Their wealth was gone in one generation. Go back and look at how wealthy that family was. Gone in one generation. Wealth can be squandered. Wisdom can be squandered. I've used the illustration many, many times that of a family that was in years and years and years ago, years ago. They were in our church. Mom and dad left. He Later I saw him and his family. His kids were all grown with grandkids. And it always remained cordial. When you looked at them, you couldn't, they didn't, you couldn't, you would not know if they were saved. But the words to me, would you pray for my grandchildren? I don't even know if they're saved. You say, that wouldn't happen to me. He would have said the same thing when he was singing in the choir. So what happened? Wisdom wasn't given the premium that it should have. Wasn't given the priority. And by the way, that can happen in every one of our lives. Every one of our lives. Wisdom is what preserves generations. Number seven. Here's a good principle. Look at verse eight and nine. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her, she shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. Number seven, focus on wisdom, and wisdom will take care of you. Focus on wisdom, and wisdom will take care of you. Isn't that what, how, many, how many of you believe God? But I just don't think, no, how many of you believe God? That's really what it comes down to. Do we believe God? Or do we believe our emotion? Do we believe God? Or do we believe some bitter backslider? Do we believe God or some worldly philosophy? Or some book I read? Or some episode of Oprah I saw? Do we believe God or not? God says, exalt her and she shall promote thee. 
part of the problem with, with carnal, as we get to be carnal Christians is we want the world to promote us or we want to promote ourselves. That's not what God says. God said, and Solomon is teaching this, what he's learned, he's passing it on. You treat wisdom like, right, and she will exalt you. She'll promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. Focus on wisdom, and wisdom will take care of you. We all know, I think we all believe this to be true, that if we put the Bible and we put God's Word in its proper place in our life, we'll be well taken care of. We'll be well taken care of. So what should we be looking for? Are you? It's amazing. I was reminded just the other day in a conversation of well, it's whenever there's a funeral well, it, it changes people they, 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 they act a certain way well this is what I want over there, this is what I want, this is what I want this is what I want um, by the way let me just interject that's why you ought to have a will so you decide what everybody gets whether they want it or not um, why this is what I want well the most valuable thing we have is what's passed down to us it's, it's, a, it's a shame I see it in our country I see it in our, in our churches and the Bible tells us it's going to happen when he speaks of the last days he speaks of a reprobate culture is we disrespect the previous generation we ignore that generation. We dishonor that generation. Well, there needs to be a group of Christians, a generation of Christians that says, I'm going to hang on to what's been given to me. You know, I can't, I can't do anything about those who are of my generation that have sold out the truth, who've turned their back on it, I can't do anything about the compromise. I can't do anything about it. But what I can do is I can continue to hold to what was given to me and to my own children. I can pass down. I can influence. So what I try and do with your children is in this setting, in, in one-on-one conversations, Whatever I can do, why? Because I want it to be passed down. I've said this, and I hope this gives some clarity to it. I've said it to us as a church. We have a big vision. I think God's going to fulfill everything we're trying to do. But it doesn't mean we're all going to see it all come to pass. I don't even know if I'll get to see it all come to pass. But I want to be faithful to that generation who's laid that foundation, fulfill my responsibility, so I can hand it off to someone else. I want to see revival in our nation. I could sit down. Maybe we ought to do this one Wednesday night or Thursday night. I, I, I mean, I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you and just tell you what I think would take, need to take place for a revival to take place and how probable I think it is in my generation. I'll give you a hint if it takes, if I was to read the Word of God, there was always a generation that dropped the ball. 
And there was always a generation that paid the price to make a way for that next generation. I think if there's anything in that, it's my generation that's going to have to hold the line in the midst of compromise, in the midst of everything, so that it makes way for the next generation to have revival, to see God do some things. I guess we don't need that cup of coffee now, do we? What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to, don't give up what you've been given. Maybe you've been saved and it's the first time you've been in a church like this that actually teaches the Bible, believes the Bible. Don't take that for granted. It's not like that everywhere. And in a verse that young Christian people don't like to be quoted to them, I think is in the Bible, and I think it's very true to whom much is given, much is required. We're supposed to be good stewards with our talent, all that, but stewards with our opportunities, stewards with the truth. And if you'll allow me to testify as we close, I had no choice to take the position, I, other than take the position I've taken. Because I have a responsibility. Because God allowed me to be born into a situation where I had not just physical parents, but I had spiritual influence of a previous generation on my life. Sometimes I get frustrated. I've tried to help others. Don't get as frustrated with this guy out here. He hasn't, he hasn't, he's not privy to the upbringing that you and I were privy to. He's, he doesn't have the knowledge that you and I have. But if we have it, we should hold it, then try and impart it. The reason why there are churches that have been alive and are dead is not because the old-time religion is outdated. It's because at some point that church said, this is good for us. Let's enjoy it. Pastor, can we stop and just breathe for a little bit? Everybody ready? Okay, we're done. We got work to do. Why? Because there's another generation. And when we stop fulfilling the Great Commission, there's a generation that's not going to have the truth. When we get lazy in our own home, we, we, we are saying to a generation, the truth's not important. And friend, if you've been handed to it, handed, it's been handed to you, you have a responsibility to pass it on to whoever you can pass it on to. So every Sunday school teacher ought to think of it this way. Every nursery worker ought to think of this this way. Uh, everybody who has an influence when there's a new Christian ought to think of it this way. Certainly in our own homes. Those of you that are not yet married, those of you that God has not given you children at this point, you ought to think, if God ever allows me to have that, this is what I want them to have. These are some things that are going to instill in my home so that I can pass that on to them. One day they'll decide what they do with it. They have a free will. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to hang on to what's been given to me and I'm going to pass it down so that there's generations and the goal is that generation after generation after generation, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if your heritage, your legacy is generations knowing God, serving God? You say, well, Pastor, it starts with me. It says, I, I, I wish I had that, that, that the testimony you have. Well, start it. Pastor, there's those that I've instilled it in, and, and, and they've, they've dropped it or they've given it. That's true of everybody in this room, whether it be somebody of our, with our same last name or somebody that God's given us spiritual influence over. That doesn't, give a, that, mean, that doesn't mean we change. It just means there's somebody else I have to give it to because I've got to keep the generations going.
But what a testimony for grandparent, parent, and grandson, and grandchild having the same truths. God's truth doesn't change from generation to generation. I hope this is a help to us. Father, thank you for...